What is the science of reading? What are leaders doing to accelerate reading achievement? We answer these questions and more in Science of Reading Leadership, Guiding Minds, Transforming Lives, powered by Just Right Reader. We are thrilled to have Lucy Hart Paulson here on the podcast with us today. You probably recognize the name Lucy Hart Paulson. She is a speech language pathologist by trade, and her research research focuses on early literacy and the foundations that young children need to become competent readers and writers. She is the co-author of Good Talking Words, a social communication skills curriculum for young children's Letters for Early Childhood Educators, second edition, and Building Early Literacy and Language Skills, a resource and activity guide for young children. Lucy, you are one of our most popular speakers that we have on our symposium and so on our symposium. So we just can't thank you enough for being here on the podcast today. Well, you're welcome. I do like to talk. (laughs) Well, that's perfect. You're in the right place because we love to talk and we love to engage, especially around this type of work. So let's jump right in. Um, I want to know what got you into this field and why you are so passionate about literacy. Mm -hmm. Well, I, as you mentioned, am a speech and language pathologist by training and profession. And I will say decades and decades and decades and decades. And a long time ago, when we had an understanding that reading was a visual based skill. And if you had difficulty learning how to read, there was something wrong with your vision. Well, Mm -hmm. uh, as a speech and language pathologist, I got to get to know and interact with a lot of little tids who taught I did and you couldn't understand what they did very well. <laughs> I knew what to do to help them learn how to say the sounds of our language and when they were little. And then as I followed them through their early elementary grades and their educational progress, so, so many of those little friends were back in the special education referral process because now they were having difficulty learning how to read and to write. And there was a burning question in my mind. Well, what is the connection between the way that we learn how to talk, say the sounds of our language, and the way that we learn how to read and write the sounds of our language? And as I mentioned, we didn't know very much about that all those decades ago. Well, we know a whole lot more today. But way back then, there was a burning question in my mind of what could I have done or would there have been anything that I could have done with those little friends when I had them in my care that would have made their road to reading and writing smoother? And so it took me down this journey of wanting to know more. And that's where a number of my publications have come from with the experiences that I had working with educators, early childhood educators, working with children, seeing what was working with them, seeing what was helping them accelerate their speech intelligibility, and then subsequently assisting them in learning how to read and write. And so within that journey, I I got to spend a couple of decades working in schools And I also got to spend a couple of decades working in higher education and uh, as a professor and and, uh, also uh, teaching in the areas of language and literacy learning and language and literacy challenges. And that also was a big part of what my own research agenda um, has been. So um, along that course, I had the opportunity to write a number of publications and uh, resources, what they are for for educators and hope that 
some of the experiences that I had and successes that I had working with my little friends would also be able to be used by other um, early childhood educators. I love that. That's yes, I, I know in, in my own experience, just working with speech language, speech language, pathology. Oh my goodness. I can, <laughs> I can help you with that. No kidding. <laughs> I know in my experience working with speech language pathologists, um, they are some of the just most professional educators I've worked with. They have this deep, deep knowledge that surpasses, I think, what a lot of us on the outside think that they do. And so I, I love that that's your background and you've been able to use that to, to help students all over the country and probably all over the world, if I had to guess. <laughs> A little bit. Yeah. yeah. So Lucy, tell us a little bit more um, about your letters, early childhood training. As one of the co-authors of that, we know that um, teachers and educators across the country are, are involved in that training on some level. And what are some of the most important things that you're hoping educators learn through that training? Mm -hmm. Well, I hope what educators learn is a really solid foundation in what you talked about of as a speech and language pathologist, that language learning that we get to focus on a lot in our pre-service programs. Um, I will say that's becoming a more and more of a recognition that all educators need to have a strong mm -hmm. foundation in what language is, because it mm -hmm. is the basis of our the way that we communicate. It's the basis of what we read and what we want to write. And so sharing that foundation with early childhood educators to help them deepen their knowledge and understanding of what is involved in the development of language, what's involved in the development, the early developmental stages of um, literacy, which actually begins to develop before babies are even born. Can you imagine that? Mm -hmm. We have some really <laughs> fabulous research that shows us that phonological processing system is well underway in development before babies are even born. So wow. that so the professional learning, building the foundation, and then what, the teacher's ability to um, make the best use of the tools that they have in their programs, whatever the curriculum might be that they are using. And then what are some everyday, all day routines and strategies that we can use mm -hmm. that will help young children build a really strong foundation in oral language, foundation in phonological awareness, and a strong understanding of those squiggly lines that we call the alphabet and letters and how those letters then represent what it is that we want to say. So that's what I hope, that's what my mission is. In the <laughs> I love that mission. Letters for early childhood educators. Yeah, the, the letters training for me was so awesome to finally see everything come together. My grandmother, she was a speech pathologist. And I, from the time I started teaching, you know, she would say, oh, you're getting all of this new training. But Terry, don't ever stop teaching phonics. You know, Terry, you're getting all of this new training. If you want to be successful in helping children read, don't ever stop teaching phonics. And we would have, you know, powwows on the phone and she would talk to me about that. And you, you, you really talked about and mentioned 
some of the things that you're hoping teachers come away with, but I would love for you to kind of drill down to what is the resources? What are those things that you touched on just a minute ago that are needed in the early childhood education um, pedagogy classrooms right now? Like what should be happening in the classroom, boots on the ground with teachers right now? Mm-hmm. Well, boots on the ground. And so if I were to parse that out a little bit into some age and grade levels. In a preschool setting, the things that we can do in a preschool setting, in and one of the big focuses that we talk about is playful learning. It absolutely needs to be playful, but I think there could be a whole lot of more playful learning in, in the early elementary grades as well, because when you are having fun learning, it's going to make your, your the learning impact so much better. Uh, And so in an early childhood, uh, preschool, pre-K, early kindergarten even kind of context, what children need to do in this literacy learning realm is have a very strong understanding of the sounds of our language and how those sounds then match up to the symbols that we're learning. So the alphabets coming together with phonological awareness, and that creates a really good understanding of the alphabetic principle. And that can, that's taking place, hopefully, in pre-K and in early kindergarten. So the alphabetic principle then leads into phonics. And phonics helps children figure out the pattern of how our written language works. So you have sounds and letters, and those letters go together into words, and the words go together into sentences. So we've been talking and saying words for a long time as a young child, and now we're seeing that represented in print. And what children need when they are learning how that alphabetic principle leads into phonics is the opportunity to see phonics in a functional perspective, reading books. And that is where the sound representations the sound and letter patterns, phoneme graphing patterns, phonemes being the sounds and the graphings being the letter patterns. When those are taught, then children need to have practice in uh, reading those patterns in words in connected language. And that is what a decodable book does for young children. So book isn't decodable for a child until they've been taught those patterns. Mm -hmm. And so a valuable opportunity with a range of books that that have a strong focus on that a particular phonics pattern, whether it's a short vowel sound, whether it's a digraph, whether it's whatever uh, early phonics uh, graphing lesson has been taught then children need the opportunity to practice. This episode is brought to you by Just Right Reader. Extend phonics instruction, strengthen school-home partnerships, and accelerate reading achievement with take-home decodable packs from Just Right Reader. Personalized take-home packs make phonics fun and accessible for families. Every book comes with a video phonics lesson and writing pages to help readers reinforce their decoding and writing skills. To learn more, visit JustWriteReader.com. That was a lot of really good information. I don't know if you saw me. I was over here taking furious notes (laughs) as we were going through. (laughs) 
Yeah. And it's good. It was so good. That was a great answer. Tell me, Lucy, I know when I was an ELA teacher, I always had this saying and I had it right up at the very front of my classroom and it said, read as a writer, write as a reader, think as both. And Mm -hmm. I've heard you say a little bit of something similar that um, reading and writing are like breathing. They go together and um, we can't necessarily be teaching one without the other. Tell us more about that because I think that, you know, we've had so much focus on the science of reading and that's been great. And we definitely need to, to bolster some of our foundation skills, but we don't want to miss that writing piece. So tell us more about that. You know, and I get to interact with so many early childhood educators and uh, get a good sense of what's going on in a lot of early childhood classrooms, either both at a preschool level and at an early elementary grade level. That has been my big focus. Um, There's not very much writing that is taking place. And I think historically and just looking at the landscape of literacy and our educational system, we've had a huge focus for quite a long time on reading. We had the Mm -hmm. National Reading Panel and we had Reading First and we had uh, all of those initiatives that focused on reading. And then this science of reading has become uh, a big topic of conversations, pretty ubiquitous now. And, and I do feel that, that there's a big missing piece when you only talk about reading. Now, most, a lot of people naturally infer that when you talk about the science of reading, that writing is included. But there are a number of folks that don't have that sense of taking it a step further. And and I do, I have said quite a bit that in my mind, reading and writing go together like breathing. You breathe in, that's what reading is, and you breathe out, that's what writing is. And when you look at the research on writing, and granted, the amount of research conducted on writing is not nearly as robust as what it has been in the reading realm. And that was one of the main reasons that the National Reading Panel didn't include writing was because Mm -hmm. the body of research was not robust enough to make a meta-analysis at that point in time. But what we do know is the value, the incredible value that adding writing or actually it's not yet adding writing but it should be including writing in the reading process gives you such better learning outcomes for the children who you get to interact with. And I know from my own personal experience in the working with the children who I got to see, and they all had language liabilities and knowing that language liabilities that would also more often, most often, not all the time, but a lot of times lead to literacy learning difficulties. And when I included writing in my therapy activities, we're going to look at some things, we're going to write some things, we're going to read some things. It increased the trajectory of children's growth and development and accomplishing the goals and objectives that we had uh, outlined for them. They got better faster. Yeah. And so in an early, uh, early childhood, preschool, kinder, first, second grade, um, it's so important to include the writing aspect 
much, you know, we, we have a good understanding of the simple view of reading and those mm-hmm. foundational skills that are needed for word recognition. Uh, I don't see the simple view of writing, although it's been out there for a number of decades as well. I don't see that nearly as prevalent. But you wouldn't expect a child to learn how to read unless they had the foundation skills. And right. so you don't expect a child to learn how to write unless they have the foundation skills needed for writing competency. And yes. they are so interconnected that including mm-hmm. writing along with the reading instruction is really valuable. And I think we will get a lot farther in our learning outcomes when that really comes to becomes uh, the case. So it shouldn't just be the science of reading. There's a whole bunch of sciences that we want to include. So I wish it was the science <laughs> of literacy or maybe the Literate science just of learning. I don't know. Yeah. It's way more than reading because it's instruction yes. so me- and it's learning also along with writing and language and motivation and yeah. executive function. And, you know, so <laughs> All the things. So all the things. All the things. Yes. So you talked about, you know, you, you really took us through the process of phonemic awareness and reading and all of the things that have to come together. And then you beautifully wove in there the writing. So what type of writing routines do you think we need to get into the rhythm of when we're talking about early um, early childhood? How can we or what even are the writing routines that would work best for those early early learning environments? Yeah, well, a couple of things come to mind. One is the actual writing process itself. One is the opportunity or the contribution that writing has in alphabet learning. And so when we're talking about learning the alphabet, let's start there. There's a lot of talk about letters that families do with their young children and that early childhood educators incorporate into the daily routines in preschool. And that continues to be a really important topic and focus in kindergarten, making sure that children have good uh, alphabet knowledge. And so one of the aspects of uh, instruction that needs to be included and has really good foundation is children also writing the letters. So it's not just looking Mm -hmm. at the shape and recognizing the shape, the uppercase and lowercase shape, the name, the sound. Also included should be what your mouth is doing, that articulatory gesture. And when children learn how to shape that letter, it helps with the letter recognition. So writing Mm -hmm. contributes in that regard that would be that transcription level of writing. It, it is a, a valuable aspect in our instructional routines for building better letter knowledge in children. So there's a really important contribution. The other piece that I love to talk about in the writing process with young children is a very well-established, and every teacher knows this, the sequence of writing development in young children as they progress from per- progress from, oh, recognizing there's a difference between how drawing looks and how writing looks. And then they progress to a scribble. And then hmm, I think there are individual segments to, it's not just one wavy line. And that moves into mock letters. And at that during that time period, children are learning about letters and learning what the shapes look like. And they start experimenting with those shapes and then learning how to make shapes of letters. 
And then along at that same time, learning about phonemic awareness and being able to tune into sounds and the sounds that the letters represent, the sounds that are in the words that they want to write, and then representing those. Moving into so semi-phonetic to phonetic and to conventional. So very well established sequence of learning. But here's what my experience had been, and I've been doing this technique for a lot of those decades. More often, children with writing, they see adult level writing. And then a teacher would say, or, you know, say, okay, now it's your turn. You write something. And kids, if they've only seen adult level writing, that's up here. Their writing level might be down at a scribble or mock letters or maybe even random letters. But what they think their writing has to look like is this, because that's the only thing that they've seen. Right. And so modeling language, oral language, and helping children learn how to talk, we can model written language at levels where that are matching where children are. So if a child is here, we can model for them what the next step might be. If they're scribbling, we can just model what mock letters look like or random letters mm -hmm. look like. And as they progress, then they get a sense that, oh, I can write like a kid. I have permission to do that. It is really powerful. And the learning outcomes in some of the research studies that I've done around this, and I know in my own anecdotal um, experience, working with lots of classrooms and lots of <laughs> young children in this experience. Holy cow, the uh, learning outcomes, the literacy learning outcomes just excel because writing is that coalescence of putting the letters together in something that's quite motivating with what I want to write about. And, mm -hmm. and uh, it's a big thing. And kids know writing is a big thing they, and, and they're pretty engaged in wanting to do it. For the most part, I, I have never, um, heard that. I mean, I, I knew that there were the different like levels of student writing. Like I have seen examples of that in coursework and that sort of thing, obviously being in schools, but I've never heard about an adult modeling for students, those different levels so that they're, they so that they're not only seeing that adult level writing, like what, and a, just an amazing way to honor where the student is that I, I hadn't thought of. Thank you for that. Yeah, developmentally appropriate. Yes. I've written yes. about it for a, a number of decades. And uh, yeah. Yeah. And I will say out of all of the strategies and routines that I have shared with teachers across the decades in oral language and in phonological awareness and in print knowledge, um, I get the most feedback and comments on the uh, uh, activity or routine that I call picture story, word story where children draw a picture. So that gives you something to write about. So you have a piece of paper and on the top half, you draw a picture on the bottom half, you write about it and you and get to write like a kid and we can model for children so that they can see what it looks like. And that can be something that can be done tomorrow. <laughs> such an exactly. easy, such an such easy um, routine to implement. Such an easy routine to implement. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Lucy, we'd love to know two more. We've, we, you started to touch on decodable texts earlier. Um, and I would love to know a little bit more about, as particularly in the early childhood classroom, what role do decodable texts fit into the process of learning to read and write? Mm -hmm. So a decodable text in an early childhood classroom is going to have content that is framed upon what children have been learning. 
And so in a classroom, in an early childhood classroom, uh, a decodable text is going to be related to the alphabet. So here's this letter we've been talking about, and let's find where this letter lives in all of these words. And, oh, and let's listen to what those words sound like. If you've been teaching A, and A says A, which is, which is what we do because we have a very strong Anglo-Saxon connection <laughs> to the English language. That's why we start out with short vowels instead of long vowels because of the words that are more common for children to learn how to read. So that's what it looks like. It is okay. making a functional, purposeful connection to why is it that I'm learning this random shape? And our shape is pretty mm-hmm. random when you are yes. poor. Yes. Yeah. And then it's <laughs> going to become really valuable. So that's helping to build the alphabetic principle. So children can see those alphabet letters that they're learning and make connections to the sounds that those letters represent with purposeful pictures, recognizable pictures. And then they're really going to be valuable as children move into kindergarten and that alphabet learning is becoming stronger and stronger. And there's so much more of the sound symbol connection and expectation in the, at the kindergarten level. And then really important in first grade where phonics is such a big topic or a big part of the uh, curriculum and the learning expectations. But alongside together in first grade. (laughs) Yes, it comes so much together. It's one of the most difficult, I think, learning grades. There's so much learning that takes place that is a foundation for the rest of a a student's educational career. But imagine the impact if you included writing in what all of that aspect was, which is a really important component. So it's not just decoding text, but it's also encoding it. And I really love you mentioned earlier the idea that they then come to realize that it is functional for them, that they can use it to communicate, that it is something they can own and they can do something with it because Mm -hmm. that's really when it starts to take off, telling stories about your pictures, imagining Mm -hmm. and allowing that imagination to be communicated to others. That's really powerful, Mm -hmm. really exciting. Yeah. Yeah. So you said so many important things there. Yeah. The ownership of it, the motivation that goes along with it, the imagination. Boy, that's a that's a piece that's missing in a lot of our children's worlds today, because so much of what they're engaged in is giving them uh, information on what they're supposed to respond to instead of creating uh, the images that they might want to create. I love yeah. it. Another topic. I love it. I, I mean, and there's so many things that I would, I mean, I know Christy and I both have this love for literacy and this love for reading and all of that. So you're really speaking to my wheelhouse right now. <laughs> I'm trying to like stay on topic. But um, we always ask um, our um, guests a, a final question, right? That kind of brings everything together. So the question that I have for you is what are two things educational leaders can do to accelerate reading achievement? If they could only do two things from your perspective, what would the next what two things two for them things? to focus on? Yes, right. I would. <clears throat> I, I think that one of the, the biggest 
the 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 element in a classroom that makes the biggest difference is the teacher and that teacher who has a really strong understanding of the foundational uh, aspects, components of language and literacy is going to be able to take a tool and use that tool to its best ability. So professional learning is, is key in our educational uh, endeavors. Um, having important, having tools that are actually, uh, that are designed to uh, support children's learning in ways that do follow the science of reading and writing and learning and and uh, instruction is also a really important element. But I think the other piece that I would say is that when you want children to become highly literate, they have to know how to read and they have to know how to write. And when we incorporate both of those important skills together, you're going to have uh, better learning outcomes for children's literacy learning, which is going to support the rest of any other content, math, science, social studies, all of it. It's framed within children's literacy competency. Yeah. And I think that just as a way to kind of add on to this thought process is when children become passionate about reading and writing as their for themselves and they own that they also gain respect for the other things that others have written that others are presenting and then we get a a symbiotic relationship between a reader and a, a consumer of reading also there becomes a re respect because they understand what it goes through what they go through when they consume and write and then they also understand what others do. And that's really a beautiful process when we see that come together. So this so is a great conversation. Yeah. And I think one little tidbit I would add to that is I've heard that teachers think that decodable readers are boring. Well, they might be boring from us, but it's not about us. And when a little friend can sit down and feel like they are reading a book, it is very motivating and very powerful in their in their going to wanting to go to the next step. I have a six-year-old granddaughter right now and she is in the throes of learning how to read. Oh, She's I bet. Decodable it's books. So much and, fun. Oh, it is so much fun watching how it's it happening. It that is. magic is happening for her in that essence. It's not magic. There's a lot of work that goes into it, but she is, yeah, it's it's beautiful. What a fun perspective for you as grandma to have that that other insight, I'm sure. <laughs> yes, it is very beautiful. We just want to do one last big thank you for, for being here. You are truly a, a guru, and we know that we have so many groupies of Lucy Hart Paulson's work. So again, we've been just thrilled to have you on the podcast today. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you for what you're doing and helping to continue to move us forward. Thanks for joining us. If you found this conversation valuable, please subscribe and leave a review on your favorite podcast platform. We will see you next time on Science of Reading Leadership, Guiding Minds, Transforming Lives.